Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. They preach the gospel with all boldness in the face of intense hatred and opposition. In Acts 3, we see this miraculous healing of a man who was over 40 and who was lame from the womb. He was born lame. And everybody knew him because he was always in front of the temple begging for charity. And Peter miraculously healed him. Or I should say Christ miraculously healed him through Peter. And that caused a bit of a stir and caused some concern among those who were in authority. And uh, in Acts 4 we saw where the rulers were grieved because of what the apostles were teaching about the resurrection of Christ. They were witnesses to his resurrection and they were preaching that. And look at Acts 4. In fact, let's just a quick review of Acts 4 as we get into Acts 5. Acts 4, verse 1. And as they spoke unto the people, so they were preaching the gospel to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, all those in, in power, came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people. They didn't like that. They wanted to be the teachers. They wanted the people to look to them being grieved that they taught the people, and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And of course, the Sadducees, were they, they, they believed the opposite of that. They, they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so this was undermining their credibility and their authority. And it wasn't just like, well, you have your opinion and I have mine. You have your opinion and I have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm healing people and I'm doing the miracles of God. And yeah, you have your opinion but I'm teaching the the resurrection of Christ. In verse 13, dropping down to verse 13, and now when they saw the boldness, again, that's what the Holy Spirit enabled them to do, is to preach in the face of very fearful circumstances, very dangerous circumstances, they weren't concerned. They preached with boldness. So when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, Meaning that they hadn't gone to the seminary. They weren't, they weren't schooled. They didn't have degrees. They marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So Christ was with them for 40 days, teaching them between unleavened bread and Pentecost about the kingdom of God. And so, yes, they did go to school. They were not ignorant. They were very knowledgeable, having been taught by Christ. Verse 19 When they were commanded not to teach about the resurrection, but Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God, you judge. So again, we see this clear boldness in the, in the apostles, that they are going to obey God. Verse 23, when they're released, they go back to their community. And verse 23 says, And being let go, they went to their own company. Again, the importance of community. So they went back to their community and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. Dropping down to verse 29. They all pray then together. And and notice what they pray. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. This is a dangerous environment. This is not, not an easy thing to say you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ. They are being threatened. And they simply take it to God and say, God, behold their threatenings 
And, and, and do they say, please take these threatenings away? These are such awful people. They're going to hurt us. Can you please remove them from the face of the earth? No. Behold their threatenings and, and do this. Grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. We're not afraid of threatenings. We're not asking God to take the threatenings away. We're asking God through the power of his Holy Spirit to give us boldness. That in the face of threatening, we will preach what needs to be preached. Christ resurrected. The kingdom of God. So that's the prayer. That, that they'll speak with boldness. Verse 32. <clears throat> and the multitude of them that believed. Notice again, picking up this theme that we had in Acts 2. The unity. They were of one heart and of one soul. They were united. They were together. They were very clear about their purpose and their objective. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. So they were so united that there really wasn't this sense of individuality. This, this is mine. Uh, this is my house. This is my land. You know, this is my food. It was us. We're one. But they had all things in common. And with great power. So first of all, with this, verse 32, again, there are times when the Bible is prescriptive. You shall do this. And there are times when it's descriptive. This is what happened. This is what they did. So this is not saying that we now have to sell all of our possessions, have one common treasury, and this is how we should live. It's saying that this is what they did. It's descriptive. They had re- this is in the context of Pentecost. They had received the power of the Holy Spirit. They believe now that this is in the time of Joel. They were quoting the, apost- the, the prophet Joel. This is the end time. They're preaching Christ. What point does it have us to have property and land when Christ is returning any, any moment now? Maybe in the future we may have to engage in this type of behavior. But the Bible is not telling us that this is what we must do. It's describing what they did in the context of Pentecost and this, their, belief that they, their belief that they were in the end time. Verse 33. Really answering the prayer now, verse 33. And with great power or boldness, with great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They have been threatened with torture, with death, not to preach Jesus, not to preach the resurrection. What do they do? They preach it with great power and boldness. We're not afraid. We know the truth. We met with Christ. He taught us. We know what the kingdom of God is. You might have an opinion. We have the truth. We are preaching the truth. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. So the whole community. Verse 34. Neither was there among them that lacked... For as many were possessors of lands or houses, sold them. Again, that, that belief that they are in the end time, Christ is returning any minute. Let's, let's look after each other, sell our land, sell our houses. And they brought the prices of the things that were sold. Notice this in verse 35. Once they sold everything, they came and laid them down at the apostles' feet. 
So they came to their leaders, the apostles. They took whatever wealth they had from their selling their possessions, and they put it at the apostles' feet. And distribution, so distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So now the apostles, having this wealth, are now deciding how to distribute it among the community. But hold your place here, and quickly let's go to Romans 10. Romans 10. And notice in verse 13. Romans 10 and verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So this, of course, is quoting the prophet Isaiah. And they know that the feet of those who preach the go- who are sent... The apostles are sent. Those who are sent to preach the gospel, how beautiful are their feet. So we need resources to preach this gospel. And the brethren are saying, let's take our resources and put them at the beautiful feet of the apostles. So that they can preach this, so that people can hear, so that people can believe, so that people can repent. Let's go back to Acts 5. So bear this, keep this picture in mind. That as the apostles, you can sort of picture them standing there in the community and the brethren bringing their treasures, their wealth, and putting it at their feet for the discretion of the apostles as to how to use that to preach the gospel to the, to the people of, Judea, of, of Judah as well as to their own community. Now, verse 36, And Joseph, or Jose, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation. So here is uh, Jose or Joseph, who they call the son of consolation, Barnabas, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus. Having land, and I remember Brother Ray kind of highlighted that for us, that he's a Levite with land, which is uh, unusual, but might be the coming out of Malachi and the intertestamental period where the Levites were not being looked after and had to look after themselves. Having land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Uh, Excuse me, Luke, you've already told us that. You told us already that everybody was selling their land, selling their possessions, and they were bringing it to the apostles' feet. Maybe you lost your place and you're just repeating yourself. Or maybe you really want to highlight something here. That there was one particular man who was nicknamed the Son of Consolation. He was kind of recognized as a leader among the people. And he came and sold whatever he had and laid it at the apostles' feet. So it sounds like now Luke is going to set up a contrast for us for chapter 5, when we're going to see Ananias and Sapphira. So everybody is selling what, everybody who has is selling what they have, laying it at the apostles' feet, But then Barnabas in particular, 
who's nicknamed, or, or sorry, Jose, or Joseph, who's nicknamed uh, Barnabas, son of consolation, son of comfort, he did this. Now we come into chapter 5, verse 1. So Barnabas does this, and then chapter 5, verse 1, but a certain man named Hananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. So everybody was selling what they had and giving it all to the apostles. And then Barnabas is highlighted as doing this. And then Ananias Ananias is doing it as well. But there's a little footnote that he's doing it and holding back part of the price. His wife also, verse 2, being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid that at the apostles' feet. So again, this emphasis of the apostles' feet. So they're, hey, wow, look, Ananias and Sapphira, they, they have done this too. Everybody's in. Everybody's really into this. So they do that. You can see everybody doing this. And then as they do it, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to, the, the King James here says, to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land. And then, of course, we have people say, Aha! Ooh, look, look, look! The Holy Ghost is a person. How do you know? Well, you can't lie to an energy. You can only lie to a person. And it says he lied to the Holy Ghost, so the Holy Ghost is a person. Well, not so fast. That's the English. The Greek simply says that he lied... And then the Holy Spirit is in what they call the accusative case. So it receives the action of the lie. So the translators chose to fill in the word to, because the Greek doesn't have it. And English needs something. English needs a preposition. So to them, they say, well, clearly he's lying to the Holy Spirit. I think a better translation would be, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie about the Holy Spirit? To lie about the Holy Spirit. Look at, well, let me just explain what I mean here. In the context, and that's the thing with Greek, you have to look at the context to see what what is it actually talking about. The context is Pentecost. The context is that the church has received the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and now Christ is moving through his body on earth. As he's moving through his body on earth, he is giving the apostles, through the Holy Spirit, great boldness, so that the apostles can preach this truth against all opposition with boldness. Not only that, the Holy Spirit is filling the body in such a way that each part has its part. And the brethren are saying, well, my part is to support the apostles. So I'm going to sell, I I happen to have land, I'm going to sell it, and I'm going to give it to the apostles, so that they can do their part. I'm doing my part, they're doing their part. We're all one body. They're not greater than me, I'm not greater than them, we're one body. And the Holy Spirit is moving me in this way, to support you in the way that the Holy Spirit has you moving in the body. So when I come now, as Ananias... And I'm selling what I have, and I'm pretending that I'm giving 
it all. I sold my house for a million dollars. I didn't tell you that. I'm coming with $500,000, and I'm putting that at the apostles' feet, and I'm saying, now I'm impoverished, but I trust God because the Holy Spirit is moving in me just like it moved in Barnabas. Because, and my wife agrees with me because my wife would like it if I'm somebody of honor. If I'm honored like Barnabas, then she's honored too. So we agree secretly together. Let's, let's try to be somebody in this new movement that's gaining momentum. So it's an act that I'm engaged in, an act of hypocrisy for self-aggrandizement. And I'm pretending that the Holy Spirit is moving in me. And Peter says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie about the Holy Spirit? That you're acting as if the Holy Spirit is, is acting in you. Verse 4. While it remained, and, and just by the way, the, the Greek tense for uh, lying in this passage, verse 3, is, is when you do something for your own benefit. So he's really saying, why are you lying about the Holy Spirit for your own benefit? You're doing something to, to move yourself forward. And that's how Satan operates. When he, when he uh, deceived Eve, it was, the fruit is for your own benefit. Do this for your own benefit. And so that's how he operates. That we act, instead of acting in sacrifice, we act in self-benefit. Verse 4. While it remained, so when it was in your proper, in your possession, wasn't it your own? And after it was sold, wasn't it in your own power? So there is no obligation here for the church to sell. If we were having to do this now, or if people were doing it now, that's really impressive. Doesn't mean I have to sell my house. So everybody's doing this. You know, Jan sells his house. Uh, Murray sells his house. Uh, Dylan sells his house. Gord sells his house. Well, okay, everybody sold their house. Okay, I, do I feel like I have to sell my house? No, I don't. There's no obligation. I could just say, wow, I really admire your faith. I, I'm just not there yet. But I really admire you guys. I'm just not there yet. That's okay. I would still be welcomed in the community. Just realize I, I don't have that level of faith. So, after it was sold, wasn't it in your own power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied unto men, but unto God. So here's the lie. Here, here's the receipt, to, the receipt of the lie. You thought you were deceiving men. You thought you were lying against uh, men, just trying to deceive men. You were actually trying to deceive God. Do you think that's possible? Do you think it's possible? You think, yeah, you can deceive men. Do you think you can deceive God? Well, clearly this man just didn't understand what he was a part of. Verse 5. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down at the apostles' feet. He fell down and gave up the spirit. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And it's good to fear God. All the believers feared, and that's good. We can't just stay there in a state, you know, this is not Allah, where all we do is just, we're just terrified. This is Yahweh. He's our Father. It's appropriate to be afraid of your Father in some circumstances, but you must love your Father, because your Father loves you. So, yeah, it's good for them to, be a, to have fear. And, and it's mentioned several times here. But look at, hold your place here, and let's go to Matthew.
So what happened to Ananias? Peter is just astonished. Like, how, how, how has this happened? How have you allowed this to happen? Matthew 12. So the Holy Spirit is moving in the church, and Ananias decides that he's going to play a clever trick and pretend that the Holy Spirit is moving in him too. And Matthew 12, verse 31 says this, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and that against is supplied, you could say about, it's, a, it's an English judgment as to what word we put in there. But, but the, and notice they didn't put two here. But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. And so this man was struck down where he stood, and he fell at the apostles' feet for blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Acts 5. Acts 5 and verse 6. And the young men arose and wound him up or bound him up and carried him out. So again, it's a community. We have old men. We have young men. Uh, young men are strong. Dead bodies are heavy. So the young men come and they take the dead body out. And they buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after. So, so they're gone. They're digging a grave for this guy. And they're gone for about three hours. And about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. It's kind of like those police interrogations when you kind of separate the husband and wife, and you get the testimony from the husband, and then you get the testimony from the wife, and they don't know what the other one has said. So here they're separated. She doesn't know what the husband has said or what's happened. Not knowing what was done, she came in. And Peter answered her unto her, tell me. So you get the sense that the congregation was together for this three hours because you know, the question was asked, well, why didn't the wife know? How come the news didn't spread? Probably they were preaching about this and about the power of the Holy Spirit and everybody was together and then the wife now comes in and so Peter addresses her. Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yeah, yeah, that's right. That, that's all. We, gave it, we give it all. It's real sacrifice. I don't know what we're going to do now. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt or to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried your husband are at the door. They've just come back from burial. So they were gone for about three hours. And you came and you laid this at the apostles' feet. But the feet of them that have buried your husband, they've come for you. A lot of uh, the play on the word feet here by, uh, by Luke. They're at the door, and they're going to carry you out. Then she fell down right there at his feet. <laughs> There's a lot about the apostles' feet here. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. So she fell at his feet and yielded up the spirit. And the young men came in, and just when they thought, wow, that was a lot of work. There's more work now. They came in and found her dead and carried her forth and buried her 
by her husband. And again, great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. So there were others that heard these things and great fear came on them as well. And then verse 12 is interesting. And then by the hands of the apostles. So there was all this emphasis on their feet. And now we change gears. And by the hands of who? The apostles were many signs and water, wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So just a couple of things I'll call out here and then we'll, we'll uh, have a little dialogue. Uh, first of all, he switches to hands. So it was all about their feet and now it's about their hands. And whose hands? Was, was everybody doing signs and miracles? Was everybody casting out demons? Because I think we have this kind of philosophy in the church that I'm special. I, I can cast out demons and I can do miracles. Well, the church is clear that the church is a body and different parts of the body have different functions. And no one in the church was doing anything except the apostles as far as miraculous work. The brethren were supporting the apostles as they did the miracles by their hands. It's not a free-for-all where everybody's a miracle worker. No. The church is supporting the apostles who are working the miracles among the people. And notice again, they were all with one accord. We keep seeing this from the, from the time of Pentecost right through. They're all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So they're at the temple and they're on the outside so that others can hear what is being preached. And of the rest durst or dare not any man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. So great fear came upon the church and upon as many as heard these things, verse 11. And the many that heard these things, a lot of them dared not join the church after seeing what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. And that's a good thing. It's okay for people to leave us. It's okay for people not to come among us. Because God wants a body that's of one accord, that is sincere and committed wholeheartedly to doing this work. You know, uh, Gideon started off with 32,000 men, and God said it's too many. Tell those who are fearful, goodbye. So 20,000 said, yeah, we're fearful. And God said it's still too many. And so now there was a test to see who's committed. And God took 300 men to do his work. God doesn't need numbers. He needs commitment. So maybe we'll just stop there, brethren, and, or pause, I should say, and get your feedback, your comments, maybe any insights that you have or questions or, or concerns. Do you have the mic, um, Ray? Thanks. Thoughts, questions, comments? You did hear what I said, right? <laughs> this is working, right? <laughs> Pastor Murray. I think that was pretty insightful about the uh, explaining the to the Holy Spirit rather than about the Holy Spirit. I know you're studying uh, uh, Greek now, so that's, I think that's going to help our congregation with, with uh, understanding some of these things because we know that the English translations uh, can bog us down with some of those things. Yeah, I think, uh, Pastor Murray, it's amazing to me um, how many judgment calls are made in moving from one language to another. And so we read English and we think we're reading the Bible. We're not reading the Bible. We're reading what people think the Bible says. And it, like it's like hundreds of judgments are made because the, language are, are, the languages are not analogous. 
one, one container has a certain shape and you're trying to get this into another container and it doesn't have the same shape. So stuff falls out and, and it's amazing. To me, I'm, I think that's, I have this, like, I'm scratching the surface, but I'm astonished at how, 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 we, how vulnerable we are to somebody's opinion of what they think the Bible is saying. Okay, great. So we can continue? Oh, one of them. I, I, I think um, the other point that you brought out that I think is valuable is the instructive part versus the descriptive part. Because often we, we uh, uh, can make rules out of something that isn't necessarily there. That's right. Very good. Uh, Brother Jan. Uh, thank you, Pastor Agent. I was struck about the story here about Ananias and Sapphira. How powerful were the apostles as the ministers back then in the church, how much authority they had in the power. And it's so amazing compared back then and to now, how little ministry is respected today in God's churches and how many ministers will be afraid to make a little judgments like in a church, question the couple about their intent. Yes. So... Thank you for bringing it up. So what do you think, though, in terms of our history of abuse? Did we do this to ourselves? And do the brethren sort of have a right to maybe resist the authority of the ministry? I think it's a combination of everything together. The society that we, that we live in, that, you know, support democracy and, you know, my privacy and my rights and, you know, I'm entitled to this and I'm entitled to that. And maybe through the church history, the abuse that people suffer from the hands of leaders, but it shouldn't justify the direct uh, command from God that the ministry should have the power and authority to actually rule the church. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, um, first of all, these are apostles. They're not elders. They're apostles. Uh, but secondly, it's a body. And there's a role for elders in the body, but the body is not all elders. So, you know, if I, I'm an elder in the body, that's one part. It's not, it doesn't mean that my role or Pastor Murray's role is more important or more valued. It, our role means nothing. A, a, nose by its, a nose is really important. The sense of smell is critical to survival. It's one of the first things that any kind of poison or anything like that, your nose will pick it up. Fire, your nose will pick it up. But a nose by itself has no value. Zero. It only has value in the context of being part of the body. And I think that's what I see here, is a body working together in one accord. And I think that we will only recognize the role of the eldership when we recognize our role in the body. So if I understand that my gift is to be a hand and I'm going to be the best hand, then I'm going to realize I need the rest of the body. It's it, work out your salvation together with fear and trembling. I think what uh, Brother John, John said is so true that at first, and in, we're not just talking about 19 or 2015, but we're talking way back 1922 and even farther that the, the innocent little sheep came and they trusted the leaders. Yes. And then through time, 
unfortunately, they were led astray. But what we have to remember, too, is that Satan is the god of this present world, and he caused this. So they were the men that led them to stray, uh, we can't judge because they were led astray by Satan, and then the sheep suffered. Yes. And then a lot of the sheep now who have grown into large lambs don't want anything to do with it. That's right. Unfortunately. And that's the sad part. But we know what the end is, so it's okay. But it's Satan. It all goes back to Satan being the god of this world again and leading them. Right on. All right. Let's uh, continue, and then we'll we'll break again. Uh, Let me just continue, and then I'll come back. Thanks. Uh, Verse 13. So verse 13, we saw that the rest were afraid to join the people, to join the church. But they did acknowledge the church. Verse 14, and, the, and believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. So people were being added to the church, but at the same time, people were afraid to join the church. Verse 15, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, and at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. So again, the gifts are given to different people in the body. Peter had this gift of healing. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem. So even outside of Jerusalem now, in the cities, they brought sick folk and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Then the high priest rose up, so all of this news is gathering, and the high priest is now, this is the, you know, if you wanted a definition of leavened bread, here's the leavening. The high priest rises up, and all they that were with him, which is of the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, zealous hatred for what is happening. I mean, isn't it terrible when everybody's being healed of their sickness and people who are cleaned with, uh, are plagued with unclean spirits, that those spirits would be removed and that people could have joy and happiness? Doesn't that make you angry? Well, it made them angry, not just angry, hot. They were hot with anger. Why? Because Satan is all about self. And if they have been preaching that there's no resurrection. And these people are preaching that there is a resurrection. And it's, hey, one opinion or another, with the proviso that they have all kinds of miracles to back up what they're saying. God is clearly with these men. So everything that these priests and Sadducees have been teaching us, they're just losing credibility overnight. That's why they're angry. It's not that people are being blessed. It's that they're thinking of themselves and their position is being compromised. Again, it goes right back to the Garden of Eden. Verse 18. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. And and brethren, I think, again, this is descriptive, but we're heading into this again. What, What you just saw witnessed yesterday in Tunisia, Kuwait, France, with a promise that there's more to come. We have to understand this Sharia law. And if, we, if, if the Apostle Peter 
was preaching the resurrection of Christ today in the presence of ISIS, he would face this same indignation. The same devil is alive today. It's the same devil. And the same anger against Christ. And so even though this is descriptive, we need to be instructed by it. And and see our role models here. How did they operate in the face of hot indignation and hatred against the message of Christ? How, How did they operate with boldness? This Sharia law, we have to understand it. It's not designed for the Middle East. It's designed for world domination. And those people on the beach, they're seen under Sharia law as fornicators. And so they're to be shot down. Equally despicable under Sharia law are Christians. And anybody who worships Christ needs to be gunned down. And so this is coming worldwide. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. To preach Christ resurrected with boldness, regardless of indignation. And this is what we see. At this, at this time, it's the Jews. At this time, it's the, the Sadducees. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and evil spirits in high places. That's what we're up against. And so we see this movement called ISIS, which is all about destruction. It's all about destroying men made in God's image, destroying antiquities, destruction, 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 and rejoicing in destruction. It's the same devil. Same devil. We preach Christ crucified and resurrected and the kingdom of God with all boldness, without apology. We must anchor ourselves in this. And this is, this is miraculous. This is the Holy Spirit that enables us to do this. And the world must know the good news of the gospel. They laid their hands on the apostles. Again, it's not flesh and blood. It's Satan acting through them and put them in the common prison. But, the, so, so they're now in prison. They're going to be put on trial, sentenced to death most likely. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, run for your life. They're going to kill you. You need to get out of town. Get the first plane out of this place. No. Freed them and said, go back and do what got you in trouble in the first place. Go, stand, stand your ground, and preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Preach Jesus Christ resurrected. Preach the kingdom of God. Speak it in the temple to the people All the words of this life or this way of life, Christianity, teach teach them everything. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning. So they didn't say, what? (laughs) We just narrowly escaped. First thing in the morning, they're about their father's business. This is the difference, brethren, between the operation of the devil and the operation of Christ. When you see people like Ananias operating in self-interest, that's the influence of the devil. When you see people like Peter sacrificing themselves for the benefit of others and the worship of Christ, that's the operation of the Holy Spirit. So this is what we need to look for in people. This is what we're listening for when people speak. 
Are you praising yourself or are you praising God? Are you acting in self-interest or are you sacrificing yourself for the benefit of others? And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught the very thing they were commanded not to do. But the high priest came and they that were with him, the cronies, we call these, uh, what do you call these people? Um, bootlickers or what's, what's the name for these? You, know, you, you always have powerful people and then you have their cronies that are trying to advance and do anything. What do you call them? Cronies. Okay. Uh, I think of maybe uh, sycophants. Uh, I think there's a more crude term for them. So they that were with him. Okay, boss, what are we going to do now, boss? And these people, they're, they're terrible. When you see these people that are with the high priest or with the leader, they're awful. They're cruel. Take the leader out of the picture and they're cowards. They're cowards. But under the leader, they're the most cruel people you'll ever see. And they called the council together. So let's have a court. And all the senate of the children of Israel. Now bring the prisoners. We're, we're all set up for court. Just one, one ingredient is missing, the defendants. And sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, the prison truly found we shut with all safety. It was completely locked. And the keepers standing without before the doors. So it was fully guarded. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Again, they've got the satanic mindset. They're just wondering, where's this going? We are, I'm the high priest. We're in charge here. And this, we're, we're losing control. Where is this going? What's going to happen to us? Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison, they're standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people. So, so they're bullies, but they're really cowards. And they're afraid of the people. Because this whole um, tone is shifting. First of all, the Sadducees, people didn't like them anyway. But now they clearly see whatever they were teaching, it's the opposite of what these men are teaching. And these men represent God. So they're afraid now that the people are going to have a revolt. The people are going to turn against them. They feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. So the people really supported the church. And if they harmed them, they would have stoned them. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Didn't we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? Aren't you, don't you know Sharia law? You're not allowed to preach the divinity of Christ? Didn't we command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you've done the opposite. Not only, have you not, not only have you taught in this name, you have filled all Jerusalem with your doctrine. Don't you have any fear? Don't you have any respect for us? 
We commanded you not to teach in this name, and you filled all Jerusalem with your doctrine. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, very simply, we ought to obey God, not men. You put your pants on in the morning just like me. Not afraid of you. I'm afraid of God. God is the one that I fear. And God is the one that I have to obey, not you. And, and in other words, there's two sides. There's the God side, which we're on, and you disagree with us. So there's only one other side. We call that the satanic side. So you're with Satan, we're with God, we're not listening to you. Verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree. He has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. Every knee shall bow to Jesus Christ and call him Lord. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to them that obey him. You know, this is it now. Luke said that they were instructed to be witnesses of Christ in Jerusalem first and then to spread from there. And they're saying we are his witnesses. And you know, should you choose to become a Muslim, one of the first things to become a Muslim, you have to bear witness that there's no God but Allah and that Muhammad is his prophet. Right there, in your first confession, your first act of faith, you have disobeyed the Ten Commandments. How can you bear witness that Muhammad is the prophet? Did you, do you know Muhammad? He lived 1,400 years ago. Did you meet him? How can you bear witness? Is this like a, a court? You're going to give testimony that you bear witness that Muhammad is the prophet of Allah. How can you do that? They can do this about Christ. Why? Because they were with Christ. So they are true witnesses. They saw Christ crucified. Three days and three nights later, they saw him resurrected. They are true witnesses. They are eyewitnesses to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now I stand before you, and I say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee shall bow to Jesus Christ. Everybody shall call him Lord. But Adrian, you weren't there. True. The apostles were, were there. But notice the scripture. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Spirit whom God has given to them that obey him. So the Holy Spirit in me bears witness that Jesus Christ is king. That Jesus Christ is God. That Jesus Christ is divine. That every knee shall bow to Christ. The Holy Spirit in me and in you bears witness so we can bear witness to that and be truthful i can't bear witness to prophet muhammad i don't know the man i wasn't there but through the holy spirit i can bear witness to jesus christ and not be a liar not be a false witness and when they heard that they were cut to the heart and satan again we do not wrestle with flesh and blood 
Satan working in them, just as he was working in Ananias and Sapphira, trying to infiltrate, he took counsel, they took counsel to slay them. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, uh, the instructor for the Apostle Paul, somebody very respected, a doctor of the law, held in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put forth the apostles forth a little space. So take them outside. I just want to talk to you guys. And he said to them, you men of Israel, be careful. Take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as to touching these men. For before these days rose up, Theodos, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves. So, so we were talking about this earlier. There's always people who rise up saying they're somebody, and they're going to start their own church. And how they're going to split off and do something. Well, remember this guy, Theodos. About 400 people joined him. He was slain. And all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to nothing. So as long as the leader's there, these sycophants are great. Get rid of the leader, they're lost. So they had nothing. They came to nothing. Everything that they invested in this came to nothing. Verse 37 After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away how many? A few people? No, much people after him. He also perished. And all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. So so don't get excited if you see a new movement. You see a new sect. It's going to come to nothing if it's not of God. So you men... Be careful, because if these men are of God, you're really in trouble. And Gamaliel knows the scriptures. So maybe he's seeing enough to say, this could be the real deal. So if I were you, I wouldn't touch them. Because if it's not of God, God will take care of it. It'll come to nothing. And I think we need to have the same view. People want to break off and start their own church, all the best. If God is with you, we'll see your fruit. Because Christ instructs us to judge by fruit. And if you're of God, wonderful. We, you know, more power to you. And if you're not, you and everybody that follows you will come to nothing. And now I say to you, verse 38, refrain from these men and leave them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to nothing, just as the others did. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest perhaps you be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, for they thought his counsel was wise. And when they had called the apostles, they couldn't just let them go. They had to beat them. They hate them so much. Christ said, you will be hated of all men for my name's sake beat them, and they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. So just stop this, stop it, and let them go. And they departed. Notice their reaction, brethren, and this is what we need to steal ourselves for and and really take the role model. 
they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing, that we should be counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. And daily in the temple, this is so amazing, so they say, okay, you make sure you do not preach Jesus. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Pentecost was so important, that they would have this boldness and this commitment to preach the gospel of the kingdom and Jesus Christ to the whole world. So let's uh, stop again and have, I know there was a question here. I just want to point out something I noticed very important. Um, don't lie to the Holy Ghost. Be honest. Keith factor in this world. A lot of people have like a, a showmanship to go about things. But to be honest, to be sincere about what you're doing and not lying to the Spirit of God. You cannot lie to God, therefore don't attempt to lie to God. It's, it's actually suicidal. As Ananias and Safari kind of prove in their behavior, they actually lied to the Holy Spirit. They lied to the God, God Almighty. And for that, it's, it's crazy because you cannot lie to God. Same thing happened in Garden Eden. Um, they didn't quite lie. They kind of bent a little bit. Like, it is, I guess it is a lie. But Adam didn't confess. He didn't own up to his mistake. Eve, likewise, didn't own up. And I've always wondered what would took place if Adam said, Yes, I've eaten from that fruit. I've done wrong. Um, you're correct, I was wrong. I have always wondered what would take place then. But just be honest with the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. I think that, maybe you, you, I think you came in a bit late, the passage that's translated, Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit, is actually a mistranslation. So he didn't lie to the Holy Spirit, he lied about the Holy Spirit. And, and so the whole point is that the Holy Spirit was operating in the church and he was pretending that it was operating in him as well. People lie. God doesn't strike them down the moment they lie. But Christ says that any blasphemy against or about the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So here at the foundation of the church, they are blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And so they were struck down immediately. So we should not lie. But people lie all the time. Christians lie all the time. But they're not struck down. They were lying about the operation of the Holy Spirit. And God said, no way. And struck them down. So, another question. Okay, with that, so we have a a snack now, is that right? And then the potluck is after the service. Okay, so why don't we just uh, say a prayer and we'll conclude. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.